the Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why are you looking at the camera? Oh, too? okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be alone. He makes me lay down in green branches. He makes me die quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know it will bring your with Your rod and your staff they come with me. Surely, surely, prepare a table before me and the presence of my enemies. Now my head. You anoint my head with oil. Surely. My cup. My cup, okay. My cup overflows. Surely. Yeah. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and love. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's awesome. Yes, yeah, just a quick uh, welcome and to tell you my name's Jacob, one of the pastors here. Uh, we continue a study this morning of Psalm 23, and you can probably guess which line that we are going to be talking about. Surely? Surely. But first, I just want to uh, say uh, how glad I am to be back. I had some time off for, for vacation and just so thrilled to be, to be here with you. Uh, this place feels like home to me, and I hope that it does for you as well. Uh, recognizing also that there are many people here that are, that are here for the first time or are new here, and this doesn't feel like home to you. And I just wanted to say how glad we are that you're here, that you're welcome here. And if you're new to church or haven't been to church in a long time, or maybe were hurt by church sometime along the way, that, that we've saw it, as Mark said, and we opened to create a place where you could encounter the living God. And you may not even know why you're here. Like, why do I keep coming back here? Uh, I just want you to know that we are glad that you're here. I don't want to presume too much about your life. I've gone on uh, too much already. But just to say, I can assure you of this, that thing that you're looking for, the thing that you're hoping for, like that, that restlessness, it will only be met in Jesus. And I believe that you can encounter him here. So welcome. I'm glad that you're here. The last time that I stood here was four weeks ago, actually, and I was telling you about a need in our community or our close-by community in Antioch. Some of you will remember us uh, talking about a refugee resettlement uh, camp that is there in an apartment complex and that there were uh, 40-some students who were lacking funds to go to a Christian camp. I brought it up because we had just sent about 60 of our kids to camp and paid for it, and these, these guys needed a bunch of money to be able to go on the camp. And so uh, I asked you all, uh, these kids are from Somalia, Rwanda, Congo. They're here for all kinds of different reasons. And I asked you all, uh, without any prompting, uh, meaning I didn't send an email leading up to it, and I did this after we had already had our normal offering, which was strategic. So it's like that money there, asking for more money. Um, and you all came and put in the baskets $50,000 in one Sunday. You know? Yeah. <laughs> which is great. So... All the kids went to camp. Uh, we paid for their travel. M most of them didn't have a sleeping bag, backpack, the things that they would need for the trip. We paid for everything. And it's going to pay for those kids to go to camp for two or three more years because of your generosity. Uh, we showed a video a few weeks ago. I want to show it again. It's a, it's a thank you that they made while still at camp to us, to Providence Church. So I just wanted you to see their faces. I've got a little more to the story. And so I wanted you to see uh, who they are again. So just a quick video of them saying thanks. 
My name is Danny Mugisha. I was born in Rwanda and I grew up in a refugee camp in Zimbabwe. After 10 years in a refugee camp, I came in America. So God has been good. And I thank God that you guys have been a part of my life, just bringing me a revive and introducing me to the goodness of God, that you guys show love and I can carry on the love that you guys show me to, the, to hold my community. Coming here to revive, it's a blessing to us. Uh, just because it's not just about fun, but it completely changed our lives. So I want to say thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Shukran. Swadi. Tablu. Merci beaucoup. Swato Telasan. Moi Badenyo. Merci beaucoup. Chato Koza Kwambiri. Merci beaucoup. God bless you. Mrakoze. Shukran. Asante. Je vous remercie beaucoup. Mrakoze. Tablo Fado. My name is Claude Dusenge, and my parents are from Congo, but I was born and raised in Rwanda. And so I thank you guys for giving us this opportunity to be able to experience revival. So I ask, I ask God that he can bless you guys for how much you give, may he multiply it. I ask God that he can always look at you with a thankful heart. I thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you! I don't know if you heard, he was praying a prayer of blessing over us. <laughs> He's praying a prayer of, of blessing over each of us. And, uh, what we learned uh, more recently is that 11 of those students, why well, won't you see their faces, 11 of those students while they were at camp made their first time decision to follow Christ as their Lord and Savior. So it was all worth it, okay? Your, your generosity is all worth it. Um, they actually, I got a note about uh, this week that they're having a, uh, a service of, of baptism for those students at the tennis court. Um, at their apartment complex, and, and the guy sending the notes said, I have no idea how you do a baptism at a tennis court, but I am fully confident these kids can figure out how to do that. Uh, and like the little note for it said, uh, worship, baptism, dancing. So you know I'll be there. It's going to be awesome. And I just wanted to celebrate that with you. We also learned that one of the students while at camp, so while he was at camp, received the news that eight of his extended relatives were killed in Somalia in a violent outbreak. And so I ask you to hold these students in your heart in prayer, but also to tell you that and that he received that news in the midst of a Christian community who supported him, who's gone back. And some of us are meeting even more this week to figure out how we can love on these kids. But uh, if you remember, if you were here that week when we talked about it, we said the reason we were doing that, do you remember? For his name's sake, for his name's sake. Something else super cool, uh, many of y'all know that uh, we've been dreaming about these converted buses to go into the neighborhoods during off school times. We partnered with the Lebanon City School District and the Wilson County School System to send uh, vehicles that have been converted that you can cook meals on, serve food. And I wanna just give you an update on that. Uh, you guys gave $71,000 uh, to do this in our community. And uh, so the Lebanon City School District sent us a note this week that said they have been able to serve 5,000 more meals this summer than they did last summer because of the van that's going in. So I want to celebrate that. It's really cool. Um, 
And the Wilson County School District, they've converted the buses and they're working. They sent us the proofs of what the buses are going to look at, so I thought you'd think it was cool. So there's going to be two, actually. We talked about one. There's going to be two. This one's called Wilson on Wheels. It takes meals into uh, the neighborhoods. And there's another one called the Imagination Station, uh, which will be a tutoring bus. Uh, and so I know many of you guys want to be on these buses. I'll let you know about it, how we're, you're going to do that. Those, that's just like a picture of what it's going to look like. So I just wanted you to know the progress <laughs> that's being made. Oh, it's so, so cool. Uh, let's see. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's what I see right there. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know, so, so often we can think about that thing that's going to follow us. That thing you did, remember? The thing I did. It's going to follow you. You know, that business deal that you were dishonest on, everybody found out, or the relationship that went bad, or the time that you spoke up out of anger, that's going to follow you. David, uh, the one who wrote the 23rd Psalm, so David, who was the shepherd boy turned uh, court musician, he wrote songs, turned outlaw, turned king. David, who was father, who was husband. David said, do you know what's going to follow me? I was so interested to hear this. David says, do you know what would follow me? And I thought, you know, if he just asked that question, we might say, if we were in Providence Kids, we might say, I know what's going to follow you, David. When you uh, took down Goliath, right? That's sort of his famous story. It's followed him all the days of his life. You took down Goliath. David says, no, not that one. Those who might know the Bible a little more might say, I know it is. It's when David unseated the evil king Saul, right? It was a very dangerous thing to do. He was on the run for his life. They sang in the streets a song that said, Saul has slain his thousands. David is tens of thousands. His legacy, David says, no. Uh, someone else, maybe like the prophet Nathan who spoke to David might say, permit me to speak, my king, but I know that you sent Uriah into battle after you took his wife as your own and he was killed in battle. You're a cheater, you're a murderer. Is this what will follow David all the days of his life? Here's what David says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, 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 David says, it'll be goodness and mercy that will follow me all the days of my life. David says, my legacy is God's goodness and God's mercy. They've been tailing me the whole time. When I was anointed with oil, I knew there was no way I could be the new king of Israel with Saul, already the seated king, and not my father. But God's goodness and mercy has been following me all the days of my life. David hiding out in a, king, hiding out in a cave because the king's coming after him. Surely he looked behind him and saw God's goodness and God's mercy directing and guiding his life. David, when he committed one of those whoppers of a sin, God's goodness and God's mercy are following me. David's son died. David's son has no more days of his life, but David does. What's going to go with David in his grief? 
God's goodness and God's mercy, surely, David says, will follow me all the days of my life. I looked up the word surely. I don't even think it was like Webster's uh, on the internet. I just Googled surely and an answer came up that I really liked. I don't know the source. I'm just sharing it because I like it. Uh, And it said this, surely, the word surely is used to emphasize the speaker's firm belief. Can anybody tell that I have something I want to share with you today that that is a firm belief? Surely is used to emphasize the speaker's firm belief that what they're saying is true and often they're surprised that there's any doubt of this. When somebody says, surely what they're saying is, I believe this to be true and I'm a bit surprised that you don't. So if you like filling in blanks, our first one is to write, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If you remember anything from the day, I hope it's that, and I'm going to say it about a bazillion times, (laughs) because it's the Word of God, and the Word of God does all kinds of better stuff than just listening to a sermon when it gets into your heart. So surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David says, what will follow me? My past glory? My past sin? No, his goodness and his mercy surely is a statement of certainty, of certainty, Surely is emphasizing the speaker's belief that they think this is true. And I'm interested in that because there's a lot of things I'm uncertain of. Are you? Or you got it all figured out? And so when somebody says they're sure of something, it sometimes makes me think of the things I'm not sure of. And I want to pause there for a moment to say to you that it's actually, I believe, okay for Christians to be uncertain about some things. To not have it all figured out. When we do this, we admit our human nature and proclaim the nature of God. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, Isaiah says. So when we're uncertain, we can actually proclaim God's certainty, even though we might not know what it is. Jesus came and spoke to a man, a dad, whose son was falling on the ground in fits. Has anybody ever had a son or daughter who was having fits? And Jesus said to that dad, if you believe, anything is possible. And you know what that dad said? So Jesus said to him, anything is possible if you believe. And the dad said, I believe. Help my unbelief. You hear what that dad was saying? What every parent in here has said. I don't know how to do this. This part, of him, this part of him did believe. I do believe Jesus, but there's parts of life, there's parts of my son having fits on the ground, there's parts of your power and how you're gonna do it or if you're gonna do it, to which I would say I'm uncertain. And I just wanted you to know that you actually come from a long faith tradition where we don't have to understand everything and be certain about everything. In fact, a lot of the certainty today makes me uncomfortable Certainty can lack a certain humility and a certain acknowledgement that as a human, I could be wrong. How would that change our conversation, our discourse, our social media post if we held within it, but I could be wrong? And so it is um, with a lot of uh, perception that we take a look when David says, but I'm certain of this. Surely, 
So when our forefathers or our foremothers say, I'm certain of this, we pay special attention because we aren't supposed to be certain about everything. And David says the thing that he is holding as a firm belief to be true is that God's goodness and mercy has been tailing him his whole life and is going to take him all the way to the courts of heaven. How does David say that? Like, how could he say that? The reason is David has a track record with God. Remember Pastor Gary said that a few weeks ago? He said, God can be trusted. And I tell you that because I have a track record with God. And so David says, I have a track record with God. I've gone over a bunch of it already. He's had great gain and great loss. And he said, here's the thing. Surely God's goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. It's here that we see that surely is a statement of hope. Maybe more than anything, this is a statement of hope. As David begins to close out Psalm 23, his greatest song, he gives us a statement of hope. We can't hear his tone, but I wonder if it wasn't like, surely God's mercy and goodness will follow me. Like he's hoping. It's a statement of hope. Like these things that we talked about that he went through his life, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, surely God's goodness and mercy will follow me. The biblical definition of faith, which is what we're talking about here, is that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the certainty of what we hope for. So what Christians are saying that we're certain of, this kind of messes with the brain a little bit. What am I certain of? I'm certain of what I'm hoping for. I'm certain of what I can't see yet. What is that? That's faith. That's faith. And we gather here with all different measures of faith, but that is faith. When you begin to say, I'm gonna believe in that, even though I can't quite see it yet. David has given us this record of how he has walked through life, and he says, surely, surely God's goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. It's a statement of hope, but surely can also be a statement of exasperation. Anyone have a, little te- anyone have a parent or a grandparent say this line, surely to goodness? You ever heard that? Sort of a Southern thing, I guess. Surely, let me give you some context. It would be something like, surely to goodness, you didn't come in here with your muddy shoes on, right? Or like a teacher could be exasperated and say, surely to goodness, you didn't just ask to sharpen your pencil when I just said you can't ask to sharpen your pencil. That's a real quote that happened in my life. Um, (laughs) I didn't listen well, right? Surely to goodness. Surely to goodness is a softening of another phrase. Like we do sometimes, we'll have a word and we kind of make it a different word to soften it a bit. Surely to goodness uh, is, is a softening of this phrase, surely to God, right? Like if your grandmother says, surely to God, you did not come in here with those muddy shoes on, you need to get the shoes off and get out of her space, okay? It's even stronger, surely to God. I'm not sure we should say that, actually. It's kind of close to even sound like you're taking the Lord's name in vain. But what I wanted to say to you today, if you're here and you're exasperated, you're just spent, you're done, that with an authentic heart before God, you can come and and give an exasperated surely. Surely, God. Surely, God, you're up to something in my life. Surely, God, you didn't bring me here for this. If that's where you're at, bring it. Not in a contentious way, Not in a way that's taking the Lord's name in vain, but you being honest with God. Surely, God. Surely, God. You hear it? I think maybe more than anything, though, surely is a statement of desperation. 
And desperation is something that I think uh, we are lacking some in this generation. And when I say this generation, I just mean kind of all of us, you know, folks that are in here. Uh, We've gotten a little bit better at anger and indignation and even frustration. But desperation, I don't know. I'm up for a little more desperation from the people of God. I'm not trying to suppose the tone that David had. I, I don't think we could know that. But if you look at what he's talking about, he says, I... I have been led through the valley of the shadow of death. God, I remember that you anointed my head with oil. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, God, you anointed me, you anointed me. He says, you set a table before me and the table was in the presence of my enemies. Is there any chance that David surely is a a desperate one coming out of that, coming out of the valley? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I wonder, I'm wondering here with you, Where is our desperation before God? To the comfortable Christian, I'm pointing at myself. To the comfortable Christian, where is my desperation? I'm actually not that desperate. I'm pretty comfortable. I have air conditioning, right? I'm cool. Everything's good. I just took two weeks of vacation. Who gets to do that? I said that in the 8 o'clock service, so one guy was like, amen. I was like, oh, that's (laughs) not good. Who gets to do that, right? I took two weeks of vacation. I came back rested, comfy, majestic beard upon my cheeks. I'm not desperate. I feel great. And then I run smack into the word of God. And it lights this fire in me that I don't often understand. A desperation begins to rise up in me. In our community, where there are children who could lose their relatives in a violent outbreak, I don't feel, you know, I I haven't experienced that. I'm not desperate in that kind of way, but it's not that far from me. In our community, in my community, there are children who don't get to eat well in the summertime because they're not in school. Like, that makes me feel, it makes me feel something. I saw it in your face, you know, we were talking about, it just kind of makes me feel something in my guts. I, it, it's a desperation, it's a desperation before God. It's, a, it's an eye to a, a looking for the goodness and mercy of God that has been promised us. Pastor Regina learned this week that there are 700 students in Wilson County. She met with some, a leader from the from Wilson County uh, School Board. And so we, have, we had, after registrations for school, we now have 700 students in our county who are homeless who don't have a permanent address. You don't see them on the streets. They, they uh, surf couches and they go from, from bed to bed and they sleep in cars. I see our guidance counselors, I see our teachers, right? This is our community. I come back from vacation and everybody's talking and arguing on Facebook about uh, you know, children in, in camps on our border. And even me just saying that, it sounds like a cue for a political statement, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But I'm asking you to pause before I go there or before you go there and just say, does it raise any desperation in you that we're in the midst of a mess if a family would swim a river and drown to try to get here? Could the people of God, instead of aligning on a side, look for the goodness and mercy of God that's been promised to us? It's supposed to be right behind us. And we call out to God in the midst of these situations that I don't have an answer for. But it doesn't mean just that we don't have an answer for it, that we turn our heads from it or turn the air conditioning down. We stay in the discomfort and even the discomfort of this moment 
to say, God, we are looking for your goodness and your mercy. We're calling for you. How do we call out to God in a moment like that? We just say, surely. Maybe it's a statement of hope. Maybe it's a statement of exasperation, perhaps desperation. But I don't want us to jump to indignation and frustration before looking for the goodness and mercy of God because it's been promised to us. It's because we're the people of hope. Scriptures like this, when I run into them, this is what I hear. Wake up, Jacob Armstrong. Wake up, people of God. We're a people of certainty and uncertainty. And the way we hold certainty and uncertainty together is hoping for our God to come and make a way. David says in Psalm 27, which appears to me to be almost like a sister psalm to Psalm 23. If you read through Psalm 27, you'll be like, that sort of sounds like Psalm 23. Check it out. Uh, Here's the last part of it. David says, I remain confident of this. What's that sound like, guys? Surely. I remain confident of this. Surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What's David saying? He's saying, yeah, Psalm 23, I'm saying goodness and mercy is going to take me into heaven. But he said, I'm sure that we're going to see it in this life. That sounds something like surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely to goodness, God, you're going to get us through. Surely to God, you won't let us down. Some of us here might say, but I can't see it. I don't believe it. Faith is the assurance of what you can't see. You're stepping into, some of us have already stepped into this tradition of saying, I'm one of those people that has an assurance, not of of being certain about everything. God's ways are higher than my ways. What I'm certain of is the hope, and the hope is in Jesus Christ. Surely our only hope is in Jesus. And so when I don't know what else to do, I call upon his name. I call upon him. Surely, Jesus, you are here. I invite you to say the 23rd Psalm with me. It'll be up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Oh God, as we come to this table that you've set for us, Holy Communion, Let the bread be for us the body of Christ. Let the cup be his blood shed for us and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And let us come and receive your goodness and your mercy that's following us. In Jesus' name, amen.